Hey everybody, I'm Matt Hill, and I am uh, truly blessed and honored to be next to my uh, uncle David-in-law, uh, David Perini, here in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, this guy to me, and he won't he won't agree, but he's a legend. <laughs> and, well, not uh, really. <laughs> and, and everybody calls me Dave. Uh, they shortened it. Uh, I, I, you know, as I got older, um, I'm 75 and go ahead, Matt, no, I interrupted I just, you. You're not interrupting I don't me. know why he wanted to interview me. I'm, I'm like a relic of the past, but he did. And, uh, because uh, you saw the very first oil well drilled, apparently. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh, I, uh, my story is my family was all blue collar people, coal miners. Actually, uh, my dad was an Italian immigrant. My mom. They met in World War II. Her family was coal miners. They came from Tennessee to Oklahoma and uh, was coal miners near McAllister, Oklahoma. Yep. Savannah, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, all those little towns south of, of McAllister. Love My dad's there. folks were coal miners in Pennsylvania and went to Colorado, and they met in World War II. So both my parents were veterans. My mom was a Navy nurse. My dad was a gunner, and he got hurt, and they met. So it was a wonderful deal. So I came from the working guys, the rough guys, those coal miners. Everyone in my family was a coal miner. So they were much like oil field workers. And many of my friends in high school and junior high school, because I was on the other side of town, I was not on the wealthy side of town, they were oil field guys. They lived in trailers out south of town and great guys. And they were from West Texas. So I knew their dads and they were drillers and et cetera. And, um, so uh, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to the University of Colorado to play football. And uh, I had one at OU, and I turned it down and went to see you. And you, you Okies, I'll, Okies I'll, don't get mad at me I'll for that. I'll forgive you for that. It's but, okay. I'll uh, pray for you, but I, forget, <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> but anyway, long story short, uh, my working career, I, I, you know, I was a janitor when I was in high school in the summer, turned money to buy some, have some spending money, buy some clothes, and I was in high school, and then in I went out and was a roughneck for two weeks, making a buck ninety an hour. That was big time money. In uh, Colorado, yeah, it was pretty good money in 1965. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, gas was about twenty nine cents a gallon, and so then uh, Colorado got me a better job, making two fifty an hour, as an iron worker. So I went with that, and I remember telling the driller, and he said, "Well, man, if you can make two fifty an hour, go get it. Six days a week, nine hours a day, and overtime for that." So I went to the iron working. Then the next summer, I turned them down and went to work in the mines with my dad and uncle, my uncles. That's a, that's One of them was born in Italy, and I enjoyed working with them. Amazing with them. And then I went to the freight lines in Denver. I decided to stay in Colorado. So I'd always done blue-collar stuff, Love the guys I worked with, but I wanted to coach. So I coached 10 years, but I was kind of like Rodney Dangerfield in the schools. You put an oil field guy or a blue-collar guy in the schools, it just doesn't fit. Some people don't belong. <laughs> And I did, and I was a heck of a good coach. The kids, we had a good teams, great teams. And finally, I couldn't make a living, and all the oil field guys say, you got to get out here. It's 1981, and I was 33, and I jumped out in it. And uh, the, the thing I can tell you, it was these guys that I knew, I was laughing last night thinking about it. I knew guys that was in the Hobbs boom, good friends that came to Hobbs in 1938. Most of the guys that I learned from, and I'm, they were out of the 50s. And um, and the thing I'll say that was unique, and hopefully it's still that way, I was a young guy, and I can remember saying, how do you figure hydraulics? You, you, we didn't have all the calculators. And they would show me the liner size and the gallons per minute and all the baloney. Yep. Um, I went to work for Encore Drilling Tools selling uh, reamers, roller reamers, blades for crooked holes, uh, sold heavy wall drill pipe, 
collars and all this stuff. So uh, I got into that and really liked it. And But the thing I want to tell you, the mentors I had, I, I thank them every day for where I'm at because I had so many people help me. It's real interesting. If you'll ask an old timer, he's flattered and will tell you. Uh, but I had, I was hired by a guy 53 and he was out of the OK Corral. I told him he was in a time machine. Drank whiskey? Ever? Not, I mean, well, whiskey I, was I like a byword. I like whiskey. <laughs> whiskey was a byword in that old oil field. But these guys were real people, good people, and fun people. We had a lot of fun. And I was in the New Mexico Permian Basin, West Texas. And uh, both sides. And, you know, I go back to when there was a Gulf Oil, a city service. All the old companies that I worked for, Atlantic Richfield or Arco, was a wonderful company. And uh, I sold, and I was a top salesman pretty quick because I'd been a coach, and I knew hard work. I thought it was the easiest job I ever had working 12, now, how, 14 hours a day. How old were you when you became a salesman? 33. 33 years old. Yeah, and, but I was always a salesman. Yeah. I love people, and I love talking to people. And uh, so they Encore Drilling Tools, uh, actually, they were old drill code guys. And Drillco was a cat's meow down, and they, they broke off, and Tom Brown backed them, Tom Brown Drilling. And all these names are probably foreign because these guys are— There's a lot, been a lot of mergers and acquisitions uh, yeah. over the years. See, yeah. when I got out there, was a, there was a million rigs, Wilbros, and, of course, Cactus was always there. Yep, Cactus. And there was a, Cactus Corporation, Cactus gold. Drilling. So, anyway, there was a lot of stuff, and, and uh, but, again, in my case, uh, it came easy to visit with people and work hard. And that's the secret I know. Uh, I told him when I hired on, I said, I'm a jock. I'm not a barroom rep. I want to be playing handball, golf. I want to get out there and work. And my, my, my boss said, hey, I'll be the barroom rep. I'd have to go get him from the bar about midnight every night. He was passed out and drive him home. So <laughs> anyway, we had our barroom rep. I've known some of those. And so anyway, we had a lot of fun. And, uh, and, you know, stories I could go on and on because I didn't know anything. And, um, you know, the first expense account I turned in was $58 for peanuts because I was, I had a huge territory and we call, I called on rigs and offices. And I remember looking at the other guys and they were writing up receipts. And all of a sudden, my expense account looked like the national war debt. My boss liked it. He said, you figured it out, didn't you? I said, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I figure out how this deal works. But, uh, you know, the, 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 the kindness of these guys, I, I just want to say, I think of them almost every day, yeah. uh, all the guys that helped me get in. And the biggest thing is being honest and treating your customer like you'd want to be treated. It's a biblical. You treat everyone the way you'd want to be treated. And I refused, and I got picked up an enormous amount of work because I was fair with them. I didn't try to stick it to them. And I won't go into specific examples. Crazy but, how honesty in our industry just uh, really shines. Well, it does. If, you, if you're honest with them, and it paid off for me. Atlantic Richfield, I was very on the downhole reamers, on the surface reamers, I told them, I said, hey, I'll gauge the cutters and we'll just charge your body rental. I think we're in a soft area. Won't, they won't, and I'll, I'll make sure. He said, yeah, I want to pay for it. This is the old man from 1938. He was he was a Conoco when it was Continental Drilling, or Continental. continental. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, anyway uh, we, uh, you know, what happened? I, I went ahead and uh, charged him body rentals for three and, and three wells and and cutters for one. He wore them out at the last well. And my vice president called me and chewed me out. And I said, well, I don't know if you know this. I've got every rig Arco is running. Because he went to the office. He was a, the guy, the superintendent loved him. All of a sudden, I've got every rig in 
West Texas and New Mexico. By being honest, yeah, it, it comes back to you if you try to do well. I was laughing about something. Bass, who's now owned by XTO, the Bass Brothers, one time uh, in the in the we we had packed hole assemblies. It was on a cactus rig, and you might not know this company. You'd have to be oh, the Superior Oil Company was out of Louisiana, and they mobile bought them later. And they didn't say superior, it was the superior. And no one with Encore could get in. And I got in with them, and they, I had a backup set of tools on the catwalk. And um, they, they came out, and the tools were worn as a 16,000-foot well. And obviously, all this is vertical in what I'm talking about now. Now, you, and, you did eventually get to horizontal well. Yeah, but well, what happened, I was around directional people. And yep. I'll tell you that in a minute. But anyway... This guy's name was Robert New. Well, my hands, they're not Phi Beta Kappa, the shop hands. We had all these connections in the early 80s. It wasn't six and five H regular or, you know, four and a half X hole. It was, we had H90, the Hughes connection, IFs. We had everything under the moon. Well, this particular rig was H90, and they, they brought out uh, six and five H regular. Well, it makes up up on top, they brought out the wrong connections. And of course, the well parted, oh. and they had a fishing job. He called me on Sunday and chewed me out, and he said, "Your ass has run off." And I, so I'm, I'm driving out there trying to figure out what I'm going to say to this guy. And there was a big old hefty, <laughs> big pot-bellied uh, tool pusher, and they're all in there, and he's in a chair backed up. And I walked in, and, <clears throat> and old Robert knew was tight-jawed. I said, "Robert, I got some." bad news. I said, Encore Drilling Tools is no longer going to do business with the Superior Oil Company. We're cutting your ass off first. <laughs> he started laughing. I said, he said, Pretty. He, I said, you know, the tool pusher just started belly laughing. I said, yeah, we're going to cut your ass off first. And so, so he said, get your shit out of here. I, mean, I don't know if this is, I can say so. I, he said, get, go ahead. He said, hell, bring some more stuff out here. And, and I told him, I said, well, these guys are five beta kappas. In the, in the shop, they wouldn't be working us working for us for $8 an hour. They'd be making $50 an hour, and they wouldn't make the mistake. <laughs> so anyway, like, you know, a lot of it, I was talking about bass. We had a problem, and I went out there, and I said, we'll take care of it. How much rig time, and did it cost you? It was our fault. And I did that, and all of a sudden, the guy said, hey, you're the first guy that's done that. And I did that on my own. I was actually a salesman and manager. I didn't want to be a manager because I just love sales. Somehow, I always got back into the thing. I wasn't a great operations manager. I was a little bit. Well, I, I was a little bit tough on my my our people. Really, I was not a I was not a great operations guy. I I, felt, well, I found my calling in this. I like sales, and that's what I wanted to do. And and uh, there are circumstances in my career. So how I left Encore, and this is just right and wrong. There's always a right and wrong. And you got to look at yourself in the mirror. I did, at least in my case, every day. And I had a family, but I was out there working one time. The I was working with two other salesmen, and and the way they had it set up, they were making more money. They'd been there, but I was working 12, 13 hours a day, and I was the leading salesman. But I didn't get a bonus or anything. I didn't care. And I they said, "How come you work? We make so hard, and we make more money than you." And I said, "Look, guys, I'm not working for Encore Drill. I'm working for Dave Perini." I'm working in my reputation, and I'd already had a lot of job offers. Yep. Well, 82, late 82, we had a downturn in the price of natural gas and oil. And so the president of the company flies a Learjet in on a Friday, and he said, we're going to have to make a cutback here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he said, I'm going to lay this salesman off, these shop hands off, 
And I'd hired these salesmen. I'd fired some of those bums and got some good guys in there. And I said, you can't do that. I said, these guys have a family. At least give them two weeks notice to go find another job. They got to eat. And we argued. And he said, well, he hadn't been to oil field long. I said, I don't give a damn about the oil field. There's a right and a wrong. These guys got kids and wives. I said, that ain't going to work. We argued. And I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do, Willie. He was the president of the company. He'd worked for, he swept floors at Drillco in 1948. And I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the courtesy. I'll give you a two weeks notice. I'm out of here. I'm not working here. And he looked, well, he called me. I'll give you a raise up to uh, like a $2,000 raise. I said, I don't want a raise. I got to live with myself. You either put, give those guys two weeks pay so they can eat while they're looking for a job or I'm out. Of course, I knew I had other jobs. Yeah, I've been right. offered other jobs. That gives you a backup for this story. So in the meantime. If you want inspiration about <laughs> making sure you have multiple streams of income coming in in your life, this is the guy. So anyway, I went to casing outfit because at the time, the downhole tools, they were cutting them yep. because they were taking chances. Uh, dog housing the Totcos, if you know what that means. They were they were given false Totcos on the readings. A lot of times that hole, when they actually finished, they couldn't even get the thing. Was There's more... They had more dog legs than the city pound. And so that, that, that might still go on today. Anyway, we go. So in the meantime, not much has changed. I thought, well, Casey's a good outfit. Hell, everybody's got to run Casey. Yeah. So I went to work for this guy. Well, he was, he'd bought his stuff wrong in the seventies for two and a half. And the equipment value was just going south and the market was going south and the pricing was going south. We've all been through that. If you've been in oil patch. So all of a sudden, he goes under. I go around, and I had another job, um, and a couple of them. And so all my customers, they said, Prini, you start it. You pick it up. You got great crews. You buy that equipment. Well, just on a lark, I'd been a school teacher. My, hell, I couldn't hardly get a car. Well, they, I had all these letters from a big company that said, two or three of them wrote letters, said, we'll back this guy. Right. We'll give him our work. Atlantic Richfield was one of them. So the banks loaned me the money. I went into the casing business. And the way I had to run it, it was lean. I sold and I had a, you know, I had, I had a desk and all that. And I would oversee some, but basically I was out selling and promoting the business. And we did real well. However, the workers' compensation for the guys hanging from the derrick uh, in New Mexico just went, not in Texas, sky high. When I opened the business, it was $17 a hundred and it went up to $64 a hundred. And then late in the game, I got a guy killed, and uh, it wasn't our fault. It doesn't matter. He was on a drilling rig, and, uh, and and my modifier went sky high, and I was paying well over $100 uh, 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 for the workers' comp per 100 yeah. I was doubling, and, and you couldn't stay. And I, an old man with the fishing tool, uh, Carl Small, he'd been in the business since 1950, and he had uh, Big Springs, Odessa, and Andrews. He'd been calling me to buy me out, and he wanted me to go to work for him and all this. And I knew a Sounds lot. Sounds like a great deal. And directional, how I got in, let me back up to directional. I worked with all the scientific, dig, um, Wilson downhole, in the reamers. Uh, in other words, they used me because they were only there was no horizontal. It was all directional. I worked for Atlantic Richfield at Levita Pass. I was in Colorado two weeks. The superintendent. Uh, in that project was a guy named Sherman Norton. He was from Bakersfield. He loved me. He was a great guy. And and he, I said, well, why don't you get Drillco out of Farmington? He said, ain't worth two cents. Get your truck up here and, and change the cutters out and the blades when they need it. I stayed and played golf. 
went up in the mountains and uh, serviced three rigs, uh, pretty big rigs, those Rocky Mountain rigs, and um, stayed in Walsenburg, and we drank beer and ate pizza and played nine holes of golf each evening. You're a pretty good golfer. So it was great. Uh, but but that's how the directional. I knew all those guys. I knew what was going on. So I had a little. I had some experience in it because I was right up there with them. And so I was in the casing. Then I sold. I'm a vagabond. This is a brief, the, brief, brief story because my time's running out. The, in, I, the industry. Come here. Just let me tell you how old I. I'm 75. On last week, I talked to one of my best friends who's 90 in a rest home, a legend. And he, he came out in 1950, James Sillon. And I'll tell you his story in a minute because it's inspirational. So in the meantime, I sell out to the fishing tool outfit. Carl Small is the best guy you'd ever meet. Old school, unbelievable personality. Probably the best salesman I've ever run into. This guy was something. Well, he came to eat with me. He said, Prima, my stomach's hurting. I said, I have probably indigestion or gallbladder. Five weeks later, he was dead. That time, I was out of work because it was real tough out there. It was 1996. I was out of work for about 45 days because there wasn't a heck of a lot of jobs, but I found some. And uh, I found one, then I found more. Uh, a a wireline of all the things. I'd always been in drilling. I went in wireline, and um, then I went into, uh, I'm just telling you this long, I'm shortening the story very much. A lot of years have gone by. And then I worked for Patterson Drilling also. And then I picked up other jobs like Matt's talking about because it was tough to make a living. Oil, I think, is about $11 a barrel. And um, But I did what was right for me. Now, I'm not saying you do that for everyone. I had one. I had all my kids out, of, and I thought, to heck with it. I'll find a job doing something. I could work. And, so, and your customers love you. First, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, so... <laughs> I met Misty, you know, over 10 years ago, and and the first time I got to meet you, you were very inspiring. For for a guy in sales, not sure if he even loves sales yet, you know, listening to your stories made me, (laughs) I mean, more times than not, there's been times where, you know, and and by all all means, guys, whenever you ask me, like, my success stories, like, well, again, mentors like David Preeny, who, uh, you know, heck, you, you teach classes on sales. Well, I did, and I taught one. I taught one for Encore. The president, they had me come down and spend two weeks with an engineer. Great guy. And by the way, we put out the first mud motor. I put it out for Pogo in 1982. 82? Yeah, it was. 82. Yeah, it was. Or 83. I can't remember. It had to be one of those years. And Hughes bought us out for it. And I don't know. Someone bought that mud motor from them. But I remember uh, explaining how it's going to save your drill pipe and you're going to make more penetration. Game, game changer. Uh, anyway, motors are game uh, but anyway, the, and, and, and again, I went down there, then, then they, they wanted me to teach sales. So I would teach tools and then we'd teach sales. And I went to Evanston, Wyoming and in that Anschutz boom, and you might be foreign with it. It was the overthrust. It was called the overthrust. They would take 10 inch drill collars and just look like they're spaghetti. The overthrust, very crooked area. <laughs> And then you had Oklahoma City, Midland, and Houston, and, and I taught school there. So I did tell, teach a sales class. It's basically what I learned playing football and in life from my family, uh, just a philosophy. But getting back to where I went, well, let's back up a stairs. I had a kid uh, work for me. What a success story. And he's an, his name is Ron Welch. And he was, his daddy was a Laughlin pusher. Had, they had, Laughlin pushers had numbers. Actually, uh, 
I went through with him to, what is it, Reno, Oklahoma? Yep. El Reno? El Reno. And there's a lot of old Laughlin pushers were many years ago, and he knew them all. His daddy, he lived in Wicket, Texas, little town, and what a guy. Great personality, smart. He grew up on a drilling rig, a Laughlin rig. And um, I knew his old man. He was a tough old bird. And so he went to work for me. He was drilling on a grace rig, big rig. He said, I want to go to work for you. I said, okay. He could do anything. And I remember the old superintendent, a great guy, one of my mentors, Marshall Bean. He was an old Wharton drilling hand. He was a great superintendent. He said, uh, I hired him, and he could do anything. He's a sale, great salesman, run lay-down machines if you had to. Uh, and if, if there were, and, and he, he, old Marshall called me. He said, Prenny, you got every bit of our work just to have Welch come rig this rig up. He'd been the daylight driller. He quit to go to work for me because he had little kids and all this. Well, I quickly realized he was too smart to go to work for me, uh, to work for me very long. And after a couple of years, I said, Ron. Those are the best people to employ. People you, are smarter than you. Well, and I said, Ron, you're too smart to work for me. You're going to be a big shot one day. Believe me. Trust me. Remember my words. So I helped him get on with a fishing tool outfit. And that progressed to he was uh, the uh, Halliburton's uh, directional coordinator in the Rockies. Wow. And, and he'd call me, Coach, you got to come to work for me. I said, no, I lived in the Rockies. I, I don't like the cold. And I'd love to work for you. Well, he came down, and um, he came down, and, and that's when I went to Pathfinder. It was a public company. They had, when Halliburton had to split up, when they bought out, I can't remember the name of the outfit, they bought out, they had, all, they had a monopoly, and the, just, the SEC or the Justice Department split them up, and Pathfinder bought the, the Halliburton tools, and the, I think they had their, bought an MWD, and so they had the premier MWD. And so Pathfinder hired him in the Permian, and he called me. He said, you got to go to work for me. And later, he was manager there two years. He became superintendent of the EOG. And he was in this big office in Midland on Big Springs Street. He called me. He said, Coach, come see me. I'm finally a big shot. <laughs> so I went up there, and he, I walked through the secretary. I said, I know this guy, Mr. West. <laughs> he, I, he said, I said, I told you he's going to be a big shot. He's one of those special guys. Good person, work. Uh, he'd call me when he was managing on Sunday. He'd get out and make sure the tools were correct. One of these, and he's probably the best directional guy I've ever seen. And I've seen some great ones. He hired the best ones at Pathfinder. Where they're at now, I don't know. But I, I probably running. You know, I, I went. I, I ended up my career with the best job I'd ever had. I worked at Pathfinder, and I got into horizontal. I'll never forget. I handed people cards in '03. And they looked at this and they said, what is this? Horizontal drilling. And I told them. <laughs> now, now your niece, Misty Hill, is uh, selling directional for SB directional. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, that, there you go. And, it, yeah, it's amazing. You know, it was, and they, they were like, what is this? And the old man there, uh, he owned, he was in, he had his own wells and he had a uh, supply store. And uh, his name was James Guy, great guy. And I ran into him at lunch, handed him a card. He said, Prini, he said, you know, you've been a, kind of a vagabond. You've been everywhere. But he said, you know, this is going to be the cat's meow. And he was right. I hated to retire. I retired at 62. I had some of my own stuff I developed and was very lucky. I'd bought on the side when things were down. And uh, I told those guys when I left, I said, man, guys, I hate to leave in this boom, but it's I'm like Vince Lombardi. I never lost a game. The clock just ran out. I got, I got a few years left and I want to enjoy it. So I elected to do that. 
But I think I'm going to try to get you back in as a consultant. No, <laughs> I'll tell you the story on the guy in the rest home that I love. Uh, him and his partner, James, Jim James, uh, they went to work at Cactus Drilling's Roughnecks in 1950, best friends. They went to drilling, to a pushing, but they made up their mind one day they wanted to have drilling rigs their own. And this is far-fetched for a guy who's a roughneck in 1950. And... Both of them, when I met them, they were consultants. Drove old cars, old over. They were resource drilling superintendent. They had their old coveralls on, and they they were consultants making at that time. I don't remember. It wasn't like it is today. Probably five hundred dollars a day. I met them in the eighties, and uh, they said they told me their plan. I said, "Hey, how come you don't get the new car?" Nah. And they lived in trailers in Kermit, Texas. One of them in Odessa, and one in Kermit frugal and they said well we're saving our money by that drilling rig and let me tell you the guts these guys had in 1986 oil went from 42 dollars a barrel in december to five dollars a barrel by april most of our family stopped working about that and what happened all these drilling rigs they began to just sell them for scrap iron i had a guy call me from a friend of mine uh he said if you want this rig come get it yours well I, the cost to get it to new mexico i couldn't afford that just to haul it well, anyway, Midland Drilling had a brand new rig, brand new drill pipe, and these guys took their cash because they couldn't borrow any money, and for $188,000 bought a, you know, 16,000 foot rig. I think we're gonna get in trouble here in a second. <laughs> She's coming to tell us to stop. Okay. Anyway, I had to talk to my wife a minute. So anyway, these guys bought it and they had their own cash to operate on. They'd saved since 1950. Goodness lived So anyway, I got the first job. It's tough. I lucked into it. I was. He said, they said, help find us a job. And so I had a re-entry, 13,000-foot re-entry, turned into a heck of a well. And that was their first job. And then they leased some rigs from companies that couldn't get them out. And then they bought those. And then they bought more. And the result is they had about 11 rigs. And they called me when they sold out to UTI. For $23 million. Goodness. And I met him at the barn door in Odessa, Texas. Never been prouder of two guys. And Jim, these guys finally moved out of the trailer houses. Bought Jim brought a house in Odessa and James in Leveland. And Jim died shortly after. And James is in a rest home. I always go by and see him or visit with him. He's 90. And I was laughing. He, he said, I can't believe you're 75. I said, well, James, I was 33 and you were 47, 48 when I met you. But that's, so that's a brief little deal of where I've been. I've been a vagabond, but I've seen it all. And I can't, you know, I was kind of leaving when all the, you know, the guys quit throwing the chain and pulling the slips, and which I did, by the way. In 1986, I worked on the rigs. I pulled slips in 86, worked on crews because we, we had super crews and I was one of the hands. And I will never forget old Jim O'Brien had about 100 consultants out. And I was doing a job about three o'clock in the morning, and one of the roughnecks said that guy owns the casing outfit. Well, he said, having he, and I knew him, I didn't even know he was there. He was in the trailer house. He said, Perini, I'm the only one left myself. He said, come in and drink some coffee, let those guys pull slips and work the vehicle. <laughs> so I've kind of had, I've seen all the parts of it, but I don't know, you know, the fracking. I just told Matt, I'd never seen the water fracks. We did Mitchell Energy's jobs. And uh, we worked for them in New Mexico, and, and they wanted us to work at Barnett over there in Texas. And we went over there, and I, I'd never seen a water frack. The only thing I'd seen is sand fracks that we had in New Mexico. 
So all this is you're on the cutting edge. I'm like a hieroglyphic guy from an ancient era. But the bottom line is the, <laughs> the, the, the mentors you have, if you see a good guy, a guy to model yourself after and ask questions. People are, are love to be asked questions. Look at me. Matt asked me to do this. And I said, no, no, no. But I thought, well, you know, it's just my story. Everyone has their own story. It's a great story. It's a great story. But I've been very lucky. I knew some. As all I can say about the oil patch, best move I ever made. The people in the oil field undoubtedly are the best people there are. And I love them to this day. It's, it's, uh, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed my experience. They're real men. And, uh, you know, they all have different personalities. And you got to judge it what it is. I'll never forget I'd call on a guy and he'd slam the door in my face as a salesman. And I thought, well, you unlucky guy. Boy, you missed a good deal. You missed a great, it, it, it didn't great hurt my feelings. It didn't hurt my feelings a bit. And, you know, I'd keep calling on them. Eventually, I had many customers, just persistence, showing up. Old Carl Small said, you got to be like the mailman. You got to come every week. And that's what I did. I would try to see people on a regular basis. And here's one philosophy I had. I worked for people. I'll never forget when I went to work for Pathfinder. I centered on people that had acreage. They had money to pay you. You don't need to practice on this stuff. You don't need not to get paid. And, and the money and the acreage and the drilling program, I was in drilling. That's who I concentrated on. I didn't pay a lot of attention. If some guy's going to drill two wells a year, he can call me. I'm not going to waste my time because my time is taken care of. So I, I told that guy, the president of the company, I said, here's my philosophy. I don't call on these guys that drill three wells a year. They want to call me. If they're smart, they will. Otherwise, I'm calling on the people who have acreage, a lot of acreage, a lot of money to pay us. Because, again, we don't need deadbeats. We don't need millions of dollars at 120 days out. And uh, I knew who paid well. I knew who didn't because I'd been in it a long time. So always think about that when you're calling. I, I pretty well centered on what I needed to center on to make money. And uh, that's a philosophy I had. And it worked as far as bonuses and as far as my own company. I knew who, who had what and who paid you. And most of the people, even in the directional horizontal uh, that I was working for, paid in anywhere from 25 days to 45 days. Now, cash flow, I'd look at these accounts Houston had. My gosh, they had people that owed them six, eight months out, $18 million. Well, you, like I said, you don't need to practice. <laughs> you need the money. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, hey, I think uh, I, I could go on and on with more and more stories. And, you know, I, yeah, did I get in fights? You bet. Did they call the police? No. Yeah, I did. You know, I was an aggressive guy and uh, someone uh, and, and I could tell you a lot of funny stories. And and uh, I know different guys. Uh, well, you know, every time I come out here, I'm gonna do you know, it, I could write a book on it and I can't bore you with all that because you're tired of listening to me. But the bottom line is uh, give that stuff 100 percent and uh, and work hard and be persistent and don't get discouraged. Set your goals, know where you're going every day. And everybody thinks sales is an easy job. No. If you're a real good salesman, you're working. I have 35 years, 40 years of planners. I knew every day and I knew every week who I was trying, what I was trying to do and accomplish. And sometimes I could that day. And then if what I didn't do, I'd catch it because you've got to know where you're going. Well, you taught um, me a good trick too. know what your customer and where they're going, what they need. How, 
You know, (laughs) if you know their projects, you're already there in front of them with what they need to take care of it. Well, and that's true. So, uh, you know, bottom line is no sales. uh, Everybody considers, ah, those salesmen, they got it made. They just play golf and BS, drink beer and whiskey and this, that, and the other. I wish. If if you're good at it, you're working your butt off and and you're, you're, you're having, you're planning exactly where in the heck you're going. And uh, we're blessed. We live a blessed life. You bet. So uh, all you salesmen out there, get it, get with it. And I'll go over this sales class with Mar- Matt and he can, he can figure it out. Uh, <laughs> I got too many M's here. My son is Michael. My grandson's staying with us. He's Mark. And here's Matt. So I almost said Mark, Mac, Mike, I, I'll call Mark, Michael. <laughs> I, I could not have married into a better family. The anyway, these are, are uh, spectacular people. Well, listen, the most and, generous, kind people I've ever known. And what we'll do is, is that the uh, I'll go through the sales deal and Mac and Matt probably knows most of it and I taught that gosh in 1982. Fact is that's the one I took to Evanston, Wyoming. Spent a, I spent a week or ten days up there. Glad to get back to Permian Basin. I was playing golf in June and they were building a Sheridan Hotel and uh, something hit me in the face. I thought, like, what in the heck? It was a huge snowflake, wet. I mean that over the mountains. Over it was sunny when we teed off. Played about four holes. It started snowing like you. I told him, I said, I'm getting the heck back to the Permian Basin. but uh, I think I'm just going to drag you around and be my co-host. Tell, yeah, tell yeah, Ann Anita that. Well, we're, anyway, we're I could, I could bore you because my stories, because I'm so old and spent so long, many years out there, there's so many great stories. Silhan and Welch was a great story, but there's so many others, the people who've helped me. I worked with registered professional engineers via a guy from Oklahoma, Chuck Miller. He was a consultant for Marathon, and, and that introduction played into the production and stuff I bought uh, working with this engineer. So I was a vagabond, but you always got to be looking uh, to provide for your family and yourself. You're still, well, listen. You're still a vagabond. I came <laughs> I'm visiting last year in Carlsbad. Now he's here in Scottsdale, Arizona. <laughs> well, listen, uh, the wolf feels with me, and I owe everything to those guys and some people, the people that make the oil field. And actually, uh, the best darn people in the world. And uh, sometimes they'll, they'll bark at you, but behind it all, they got a good heart. I guarantee you. Okay. I think, well, Matt, thank you uh, for you. letting the has-been. I, I would consider this the has-been cafe. <laughs> for you me, mean, not for I mean, him. Wait, what a minute, wait a minute. Huh? <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. Thanks uh, for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care. God bless you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Those are just cafe. <laughs> That's too funny.